my mom who passed about three years ago. And there are little things that she said throughout my life that have stuck with me. And one of them was this, which is interesting. Breathe in and out the Spirit of God. And I don't know if that makes sense theologically. We're breathing out the Spirit, but then we got to breathe it back in. I think she just meant to breathe. Breathe in and out the Spirit of the Lord. I'm Tommy Thompson, and you're listening to Space for Life, a podcast with honest conversations designed to help cultivate the space we need for a more fulfilling and abundant life. Despite our culture being wired for excess and overload, our souls desperately need the opposite. Thanks for joining us today as we seek to take one more step into a spacious life. Hey everyone, welcome back to Space for Life. Uh, we've got, we're going to have a good time today. I can, I can pretty much guarantee that. <laughs> today I've got as a special guest Pete Boel. Longtime friend. I think we go back 30 plus years. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So just long time, delightful, close, precious friend. And uh, Pete is West Creek pastor at Hope Church and co-founding pastor. And if you're in the Richmond area listening, you know a lot about Hope. It's it's had an amazing influence on thousands of people. And Pete and David Dwight, who was on an earlier episode, uh, were the co-founding pastors of Hope. And uh, you'll quickly get a sense of why Hope is such a special place. And a lot of that is because of Pete and his heart, and you'll be able to capture that. So I want to read just a little bit um, from Pete's bio. So whenever I do one of these podcasts, I ask for a headshot and a bio. Great. Um, and so I think this kind of captures you a little bit more. And you may not even know what what I've got here. Well, I, I don't. And in fact, if it's any uh, thing that I wrote to offer to you, if you could beef it up a bit, I'd appreciate it. Oh, I'll add all sorts of good stuff <laughs> Thanks, to Tommy. it. Thanks, yeah. Tommy. No, so he has like, you know, details of where he went. And then sure. he finally says, Pete finds that the longer you live, the more stuff you can put on a resume, but he counts his greatest accomplishment as surviving parenthood and being married to the love of his life, Meg. He reorients his life every morning by spending time with a God he loves. He loves his church, the people God has called him to, his Red Sox, Steelers, and his little boat that gets him away. And so, you know, you do have resume, and, and I could beef it up a good amount and really look good. Right. Um, but, you know, I think it's that that kind of expresses um, who you are. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Pete, and Thank just you. to be able to talk. And we had a great breakfast together before we sitting down for this. So yes. I count Pete as one of my, you know, really good longtime friends who has walked with us and our family in some of the hardest seasons and just um, cared for us in extraordinary ways. So, well, you all are special people. And, uh, I realize that some people that listen to this podcast are not necessarily in the Richmond area, but uh, there's an intersection near where you live. And every time I'm down that main road at that intersection, I think about calling you guys because of how special you are. Um, you're not necessarily in my church world. And that's helpful to me that I can say, hey, it's 
it's been a hard day and you uh, don't cast any judgment. You can just listen and enjoy conversation with me uh, about things that are outside of my world and perhaps your world. So that's special to have friendships. And speaking of the the resume or the bio, um, I think we're living in a day in a culture where a lot of people are expressing opinions. Uh, a lot of people want to be heard. Uh, uh, a lot of people are reaching out in some ways. Uh, and some, and sometimes I just think I'm tired of the me and me Yeah, talking about me. I want to encourage other people with the same encouragement I've found. And uh, I sometimes I think when we do that, we actually get encouraged ourselves when we put somebody else before ourselves. So, well, and that's that's exactly, I mean, one of many reasons that I wanted to have you on because I think it's a, a, a recentering. You know, the, the things that you are about, your heart, what you spend your time on, is not the direction our culture is going. And we need a reorientation to what really matters. And I think that you do an extraordinary job in a in a way that's very different personality-wise from me who has a lot of structure and systems and habits. You you do life in a very free way. And so I love the the differences of how we both walk in the same direction. That's so that sounds like a compliment. My wife would say, honey, you're disorganized. <laughs> you got to get your act together. But uh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I tend to be a little bit mystic and a little bit freewheeling. And yet um, it's given life to my story. It's given life to me. And, uh, you know, when it comes to encouraging others and not focusing so much on yourself, that actually is not easy, is it? I mean, it's a no. discipline. Yeah. Uh, so when I sit down and I, I journal often in the morning, sometimes my thoughts, sometimes my prayers, it's a discipline for me to, to stop and put a period after asking for my own request or venting about whatever is going on in culture and to begin to put my thoughts on others. You have to almost discipline yourself to say, and so, Lord, I'm just going to start lifting up these other people to you. But when you do so, all of a sudden, those things you were worried about, the things you were writing about, the things you were venting about, they seem to fade a little bit. I don't know how that works, but it works. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I definitely want to <laughs> come, come back to that because that's, that's certainly a, yes. you know, a common place that, right. that we have of uh, you know, something that's precious to us. So we'll definitely come back to that. Okay. So you, you're probably not actually not that used to doing this, but I'd love for you to just share a little bit of your your life story for those who uh, either don't know you or know you kind of in a very particular context, but probably a very limited context. Right. Well, how far back do you want me to go, Tommy? As far back as you want to go. Well, uh, how could I put this? I was raised by... Um, parents who were raised by their parents and learned a certain way of parenting. Uh, my dad was a twin born in the Depression era and lived his life as a country was coming out of that. So as a twin on birthdays, they would share a gift. They, oh. they only got one gift to share or a Christmas. So my dad was always somewhat frugal. My mom, meanwhile, loved the nice things in life. And she was raised... Uh, 
by a family that had a little bit more means. And so that was an interesting combination to be raised by. My dad showed his love, not so much by lots of time spent or whatever, but by working hard and bringing home a paycheck and providing for me. My mom showed her love by um, just being a great mom, a stay-at-home mom that would uh, nurture and hold me and uh, now hold my, my children and grandchildren. So uh, it was an interesting dynamic. And why am I reflecting on it that way? Uh, I think I've always looked for encouragement because my dad was not necessarily a great encouragement to me. In other words, remember, he came home. Sure. And I, yeah. well, I work hard. And that's how I provided for you. So there was not a lot of nurturing stuff. Now that's become better as he's grown older and we, we now have an adult relationship together. Uh, but my mom was always a nurturer one. And yet um, at the same time, um, always uh, said, hey, you could do better than you do. I think you're going to be the next Billy Graham. Well, that's pretty high potential to live up to. <laughs> So in some ways, um, I felt my upbringing uh, had maybe less encouragement than the way that I've tried to encourage my kids. And so it probably has made me a pretty hard worker. Um, I try to do the best I can to exceed as much as I can. So my life, it's interesting, I haven't done these kinds of things very often, so now I'm sort of talking out loud, yeah. Uh, but my life um, has probably been a little bit more internal striving than mo most people would know to sort of prove myself, right? to be a pleaser to other people. And yet at the same time, I've had a lot of fun. Um, my dad worked for IBM, so we moved around a little bit. And I think that that helps, uh, uh, at least it helped me to um, be a little bit more personable because I had to make my way in new places. Born in Pittsburgh, moved to McLean, Virginia, then to Boston, Massachusetts, and then back to the Maryland area. Uh, I went to school at University of Maryland and uh, really enjoy going to uh, uh, Maryland basketball games. Uh, I love sports. Uh, that gives a lot of life to my story. In fact, it took me a while to get through Maryland. Uh, I like to joke around and say it's because they offered uh, a Spanish course that I could never seem to get through, but they offered it when I had to retake it on a Tuesday night. But unfortunately, that's when the, the Maryland Terrapins were playing basketball. So I had a choice <laughs> to make, and often I would go to the basketball games. So No, you're kidding. Yo, yeah, <laughs> it took me a while to get through. So anyway, um, yeah, how do I make a long story short? Went from there uh, to work in the public relations field for a while, but I always had loved people, and especially young people. Um, I wanted to encourage young people maybe in ways that I wasn't encouraged growing up. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll go into medicine. But my grades, uh, keeping in mind not passing Spanish, uh, never made, made a way for that. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe public relations, that's people work. So I did that for a while while volunteering in my local church. And when the youth pastor at that church left, they, uh, he said, Pete, you do this pretty well. Why don't you consider this? So I took a, basically a sabbatical from my job in 1984. Uh, my boss said I could come back after working uh, for a summer with young people, and I never went back. I just stayed working with student ministry. My parents and my in-laws lived six miles from each other when I was doing youth ministry in Washington, D.C., and that's not easy. 
sharing holidays and having two sets of strong parents. So one day I got a call from uh, somebody in Richmond, Virginia that was looking for a, a student ministry pastor. And I took the phone away from my ear and I said, hey, honey, how about Richmond? And she said that might not be bad. <laughs> so we came down to Richmond That's a little great. bit more separate from the parents and uh, started in student ministry here. And then I will never forget at the time, uh, the associate director for the Richmond Symphony uh, took his arms in the air after I'd been there for five years. He And he did sort of like he pretended like he was conducting. He said, Pete, you do this really well. You conduct really well. But sometimes you have to have also the intellectual integrity for people to really hear what you want them to hear about the good news that I have found in the Bible. Yeah. So I kind of reluctantly went to seminary. And then coming out of seminary, I thought, I'd love to do this in a way that really meets people where they are, be in a church where it really meets people where they are. I started conversations with David White, who you mentioned, yeah. um, uh, had been on this podcast, and we talked together and decided, why don't we do this together? And that's when we planted Hope Church uh, 24 years ago. Next year will be our 25th anniversary. That is crazy because so I go all the way back to yeah. the to the beginning. All the way yeah. back to the yeah. beginning. I got three kids. Um, for a while during their teenage years, I thought two of them were doing really well. But I thought, hey, two out of three isn't bad, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> but the other one uh, kind of turned his life around, and uh, he's actually doing what his dad does. He's in ministry now as well. So they're all married. Um, I got two grandchildren. I love my children, and I think you'll always be a parent. Yeah. So mm. um, I'm still parenting in the midst of uh, uh, trying to walk alongside of them in their adult life. So that may mm. be more than you wanted. No, but no, that's, that's fantastic. That's my life yeah. story in yeah. a nutshell. Yeah. Well, you know, you you uh, kind of just inserted in the middle of that. You'd said, you know, I, well, I just love people, and mm. there are a lot of people that say that. But anybody who knows Pete goes, well, that is completely who Pete is. He just loves people. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget uh, when we were in the process of uh, moving churches and uh, I came with, um, with Wheezy and, and our three kids to, to Hope. And I had known you back from the original church, but we hadn't spent a ton of time together, but we knew each other right. reasonably well. And mm-hmm. we come in you know, and, it, and it's a it's a big church. You know, a lot of people, and you immediately came right up to us, and our kids were in the, you know, middle school, you know, beginning of high school years, and and they were, particularly our boys were kind of a little bit uh, hesitant about the whole church thing. So we right. introduced them to you, and you immediately turned to them and said, "Hey, I'll give you a dollar if you come to youth group." And I can remember their eyes just got big and they just went, who is this guy? <laughs> he's the minister and he's paying us to come to youth group. And it was it was just kind of that first sense that, uh, you know, this is a little different and this guy's a little different. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of created this immediate good feeling in them about, okay, maybe maybe this this is okay to be here. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what that's what you do naturally with everybody you come in contact with, and I don't mean that to pat you on the back, but you you're 
you know, that's you offer something, you know, just a unique freshness uh, about how you care for people. And yet, I think as you as you mentioned, there's that other side of that that inner s- struggle and striving. Sure. sure. You know, and yeah. sometimes that doesn't always always show. Yeah. Well, uh, a side note, it, it's, uh, I think if, if I ever, I would retire one day, I got to keep putting it off because it costs me more now to, uh, see young people in my church. I started by giving quarters way back when, when I first met you to kids, then it became a dollar. Now it's at least two. I mean, inflation, it takes a lot to get a kid to youth group or <laughs> to do whatever <laughs> nowadays. Um, yeah, yeah I, the older I get, bro, the more I, um, think I've gotten over a little bit people pleasing or inviting others to try to encourage me uh, with encouragement that maybe I feel I didn't get earlier on in my life. Um, I become more secure in who the creator has made me to be. Um, And it's just sort of a natural wiring. It just has come easily to me. to reach out to people. I mentioned to you while we were having breakfast this morning that um, very rarely will I be in the car and listen to a podcast or listen to the radio. I think, who can I call? Who can I just talk to or encourage? And um, I find that life-giving. Just to make a human connection with somebody, I think it's part of how we're all wired to be. So yeah, uh, I can't explain where that all comes from or what motivates me. I know I've been loved and shown grace and mercy in different times of my life. And uh, usually the conversations are trying to find a place where I can encourage that person or offer them grace. Uh, sometimes when I'm hard on my, myself, my wife and in these last couple of years, and as you know, and our listeners would know, it's been a difficult two years. Um, we probably more people are beating themselves up than we realize. Right. Uh, they wouldn't say that, but they struggle with why they're not handling uh, this pandemic better or life better. So Meg will sometimes say, be kind to yourself. And yeah. I think that's important to be kind to ourselves. Sometimes I think we're harder on ourselves than we might perceive um, God is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I'm not sure God's very happy with me right now. Actually, I think, as I read recently in a book called Gentle and Lowly, um, God is never frustrated with us. He knows we're broken people. That's why he came, to help and to redeem Um, so sometimes I think we need to be kinder to ourselves. So maybe part of my reaching out is to help people be kind to themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I I remember very well, um, when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer, I think you were one of the very first people who showed up at our front door. And I can tell you the, the, the minute I opened the door and you were there, I didn't have the first thought that, well, Pete's here because he's our pastor and he's here to just have a pastoral visit. You were just a friend who just grabbed me in a big bear hug. And so your your way of loving people, and I, and I, 
I say this because you're a very freewheeling, fun-loving guy, but you're equally wired to walk with people in the very hardest places of life and just to walk gently and lovingly. And um, it's that willingness to enter in wherever with grace and kindness that I, th- I think is just changes a lot of people's lives regardless of the words you speak. Yeah. So um, we hadn't talked about this, but I-, I would just love, you know, to hear from you when you think about loving people, how do you go about doing that? How do you, how do you execute, so to speak, on caring about people? What are the, some of the practices and thoughts that go through your mind? I read a book long ago uh, that kind of redefined love a little bit and the phrase was, love means giving people the benefit of the doubt. So when somebody says a crossword to me, or when I'm in a doctor's office and it seems like I'm just being shuffled through and there's not a kindness, I'm not thinking that that person behind the desk or that person uh, who is gonna put me in the MRI tube, I recently had an MRI tube and I thought this person, I wish I had a little more kindness coming from them. Um, they weren't going to bed the night before and thinking, I'm going to see this patient named Pete tomorrow, and I'm not going to be very kind to them. People just are who they are. They react. They may be having a bad day. They may not be, but they just react. So when I think about giving a person the benefit of the doubt as a definition of love, it just means trying to put myself in their shoes, assuming the best and not the worst, knowing that even if they are going through a tough time that are not easy to talk to, just a little bit about the way they were shaped, uh, it shouldn't prevent me from caring for them. Hmm. I also think that when we think of love uh, from the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, it's sort of this uh, pinnacle passage on love uh, where Paul says love is patient and love is kind and love keeps no record of wrong account. Love can feel like such a sentiment, but there's a practical way to it. And so it's, isn't it interesting, the first characteristic of love, of worked out love, that Paul talks about it is patience. Yeah. That's a little bit about giving that person the benefit of the doubt. And then it's kindness. We may not know how to come around and wrap our arms around a person, but I think all of us have something in us that understands what kind looks like and means. So patient, kindness, self-control, that word patience. um, Gentleness. I've learned in Mm -hmm. church world and through seminary means uh, long suffering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, In fact, there's another passage uh, in the Bible that I used this past week uh, from Psalm 40. And it, it starts by saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. And that word patience in the Hebrew text is the same word mentioned twice, but when they translated it, they said, huh, they didn't wanna say at that time, at least the NIV, I waited and waited. So they thought, what's that writer trying to say? It's an intensive waiting. So they said, I waited patiently. I kinda like the original. 
I agree. I waited and I waited and I waited. And then wow. the Lord, Lord, I'd never heard that. That's Lord incredible. turned and heard my cry. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I can wait out a lot of mean people. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's really good. Um, well, and I've really sensed that um, kind of this voice that you're talking about, this voice of patience and kindness and giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's it's had an extra impact over these last couple of years because not just because of the pandemic, but because of the pandemic and politics and our society and things, we become as a people and a culture so much more impatient mm-hmm. and unkind and uncivil with one another. And unfortunately, that's often happening, you know, a lot within the church too. And I think that people have so needed the voice that comes through in in virtually every time that that you give a sermon uh, is, you know, we need to be kind and we need to be patient and we need to love one another and not keep that record of wrongs. And in that sense, love is kind of obvious, isn't it? Yes. I think, yes, these last years and a half have been very difficult. And I don't know how this works, but that impatience, that anxiousness, uh, the uh, just hoping for better days, I think has created a longing and a loneliness in people. Mm-hmm. They just feel alone in all of it. And they're, it's almost like a child that is um, going through a tantrum. But when they're held securely... Uh, when they're loved well, maybe it helps uh, to take it a little easier uh, to calm ourselves down. Um, I said recently, and again, I have no statistics to, to back it up. I'm sure the American Psychological um, Association would, but I think all of us live with like a, especially in this day and age, at least a 10 or 20% sense of loneliness. In yeah. our heart. We just feel isolated and a little bit more alone. And um, we have to engage with one another. Well, and I have a feeling that a lot of people would love to reach that 10 to 20% loneliness because oh. they're feeling 70, 80%, right. 90%. Wow. Percent. And, and that's one of the reasons I was excited about today because we, you know, we, I talk a lot about productivity and habits and goals and and some of these things that they are important for life working. But what you're talking about and I think what you truly live on a daily basis is the important stuff. It's just caring about people and taking that little bit of extra time to hear someone and to connect and to uh deal with some of that loneliness. And that's the stuff that is, uh, almost as you put on your resume, it, it's the stuff that trumps the accomplishments. And I, I think you live that so well. And I think that is what almost all of us so desperately care for yeah. and are hungry for in our lives. So, um, 
Well, Tommy, let me say that I don't think any of us, of course, we would all know this intuitively. None of us live perfectly. And um, that really shouldn't be the goal. So, yeah, yeah living a little bit more spo- spontaneously, uh, trying to love people or see the thing right in front of me. Um, there's a flat side to that too, yes. where whether it's, I'm not taking care of my own body or, uh, there are just other challenges that go unaddressed, like a broken down car that needs to be fixed, but I'm not fixing it. Cause I got, I'm disorganized. I think sometimes those disciplines for a person like me, uh, create boundaries that will help whatever I've been able to offer to this culture last a little longer rather than reach some kind of burnout stage because there's so many things in my personal life that I'm not taking care of because of the lack of boundaries. Right. That then, whether it be my health or a collapse of something that I have to attend to at home, um, then takes me out of the picture. So thank you. I I love that I can love people, but... um, there's a tension in that too. There's, it's not, none of our ways are perfect. Maybe you think, well, I'd like to move a little bit more towards that encouragement way, Pete, that you do. I'd say, well, I actually would like to little, yeah. move a little bit more towards your way, Tommy. I think yeah. it would help me. Well, and that's what's so cool. I do think that that kind of the ways that we both are trying to figure it out really imperfectly, right. they're almost two sides of a coin. And so anyway, I, I think that's what's so cool about a conversation like this. And it's certainly what I appreciate about you. Um, maybe that's what you appreciate about me is that I'm the, you know, the other yeah, angle of we, that. We need opposites in our lives, don't we? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'd call it opposites because you know you have a great heart for people and have such a compassion and kindness. But um, yeah, I need Tommy Thompson's in my life. And maybe Tommy's uh, need some Pete's in their life. I Absolutely. mean, we... We are not meant to live alone or on an island. And if you're married out there, uh, God willing, your spouse has some balances for you. But I don't think we're ever complete just as an individual. Right. And what's, what, what I treasure is from a straight-out personality side, we're probably kind of opposites. Right. But I count you as a really, really good, precious friend. It's just like, it, it's, I, I love, I've always loved spending time with you. And so anyway, I just think that's, that's neat. And, and our world needs more of just enjoying one another and spending time and connecting and uh, giving grace to one another and our differences. And uh, that's something. Well, even offer. this conversation now is giving me a life. I think I should do this more often with Tommy. I'm enjoying the balance of who he is that he just exudes. He doesn't even have to talk about it. And uh, yeah, it's fun to, to do life with somebody else. But even that's a discipline in our culture today. It Everything is. is, and when I say their culture today, I think we all know what we're talking about. It's, it's been a tough year and a half from politics to the injustices we see around the world, the conflicts we see around the world, uh, the pandemic, all of it, um, you just feel like retreating until it gets better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I find some of my phone calls are are, um, less returned. I find emails are not as, I still get a lot of emails, especially junk emails from companies or whatever, but I feel like there's less corresponding going on right now, and to some extent. 
Um, and certainly less connecting. Yes. Yeah. Certainly that. But we, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we need each other. Yeah. So one of the common places uh, I think that we uh, share a lot of similarities is in the area of creating space in our lives. Um, and you, you maintain a, like a really busy schedule. And as, as you've said, you know, when you're in the car, uh, while I'm turning off the radio, according to all of my different ways of doing things, you're picking up the phone and calling and connecting with someone. So we have all of our different ways in which we're, you know, walking, but there's a similarity, I think, in terms of, um, the very deep way that we both value creating space in our life. And I'd love love for you to just uh, describe a little bit about that because my guess, and you, you can say yes or no, but my guess is that your ability to care and to enter in would not be possible without some of your practices of creating space. Yeah. I appreciate you putting it that way, creating space that we're creating makes me think of something else we talked about earlier, which is creative. Yes. When I, when I have space in my life, I become more creative. You know, we were, I believe we were made created in God's image and God's the one that put the moon and stars in place, which means in all of us, since we are created in the image of a creator, we all have something in us that, is creative or can be creative. When you create space, um, you can find light because all of a sudden you have a thought, a person you want to call, something you want to write, something you need to fix. You, you become more creative when you create space. Uh, you have margin because of something you have experienced in that space to be able to then offer it to others. Whenever I have created space in my life in the morning, again, in this idea that we need one another, I never think it's just for me. Whatever I have read, and it may not even mean that much to me in that hour space in the morning, somehow in God's economy, somebody else says something that reminds me of something that I read that had mm-hmm. no impact for me, but all of a sudden, wait, that was meant for someone else. Yeah. So... In that space, um, I have found that uh, it gives life to my story during the day. And I couldn't do life without that space. It's sometimes I wonder if if it is a good luck charm. You know, gee whiz, good thing I spent some time in quieter with God. And so now my day will go well. Um, I don't want it to ever be that, like a habit, right? rather than knowing. In fact, I, I recently wrote a little um, inspirational, I'll call it a blog, uh, Jesus is still with us after we say amen. Oh, I love that. Because sometimes yeah. we yeah. finish that, that morning, and we know he's kind of with us generally, but he's moved on, and I moved on, and I might yeah. come back to him if I got something later in that day, but he's still with us. So that space um, reminds me of that. He is with us all the day long. And, uh, yeah, it's very important to me. So, um, I think I, I don't know how people, some people create space to work out. I don't. 
and I should do that more. In fact, I want to do that more. Some people take space to be with their creator or to journal in the morning. Regardless of what's, I think everybody takes space. I don't care if it's space just to have a beer at night, watch, watch a ball game for a few innings. We all need space. I don't know if I know anybody that hasn't created space, but that space is um, maybe full circle is what brings out, what can bring out the best in us. Right. It's, it seems like that, uh, particularly about creating that space in the morning, which is obviously a huge thing for me. And, and I, I, in my early 20s, I was completely convinced I was a night owl. Yeah. That I was uh, wired in my DNA to stay up late and to not be able to get up early. I, yeah. I was completely convinced of that. Yeah. And now, you know, I've come full circle around to, you know, seeing how precious morning time is. I know it's a struggle for people and we've got to have a lot of grace about all of that. But yeah. it's space to me is what allows you for instance, to be spontaneous rather than reactive. You know, I mean, you have an ability, and I think it's a, you know, a God gift in you, to listen and be spontaneous to, you know, what you believe God wants you to do rather than so many of us are spending our day reacting to things that happened to us. And I, I think that comes out of the richness of the space which starts off the day in the right direction. Yes. Well, um, I don't say it very much publicly, but I'm not one of those uh, um, real spiritual people that are up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5.30. Now, you, you may do that. I'm more of a 6.30, just so people know practically what that space is. Yeah. Um, I'm always running late to my first appointment in the morning. I was 10 minutes late for you this morning. I'm like, I got to get my space. Well, I could have had more space, Tommy, yeah. if I was up at 5.30 or 6, but I'm like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> got up at 10 or 7, you know? I think, well, if I leave at quarter of 8, I can be on time for Tommy at breakfast, but it was 10 after 8, but I'm like, well, you just oh, gave, whatever. You just gave me some space at breakfast. That's, that's right. So, um but the point is, I don't care if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, uh, or if you're an early riser or a late riser. Um, and maybe I would even say this as an encouragement for people that don't give space in the morning, because I think that's the best time to give yourself some space, because the day is going to grab you. Right. Uh, even if it's 10 minutes. Yeah. Any of us can do it. 10 minutes, I think, I hope. Uh in fact, I didn't have much time this morning, so I sat and um, I didn't know where my my favorite Bible was that I like. So I just I just sat quietly for a moment, and then I uh, journaled out a prayer, and I'll just uh, trust that that was space enough because God knew what my day was going to be like. Right. So yeah. Well, that that's a a really good word, and um, you know we're leading into. Uh, a season, you know, in October for me that I remember from last year because it was when I launched my book, Space to yes, Breathe Again. Yes. And so I, I, I love kind of a little bit of a focus on 
the ways that we create space. And I think a huge part of that is um, the grace instead of the law around creating space. Yes. And, you know, I, I had this thing about habit and structure and routine, and I think it can easily go the direction of law. You know, you need to yes. do this during this yes. time and get up at this hour. Right. And, you know, and, and I love that we're talking about, you know, maybe some mornings it's just, it's just 10 minutes and it's just yeah. sitting quietly and breathing a prayer or writing out a prayer. And that can be fine. That yes. can be good. That can be so life-giving. Um, so however it yeah. finds its way into your life, yeah. is okay. I remember something in a book um, by Sue Mung Kidd that I read several years ago. I think it was The Secret Life of Bees. And she needed to create some space in her life. So she decided to go away to this monastery for a week. Well, she was a very active woman who kept things going all the time. And so she was, uh, during uh, during the day, They you're supposed to take in the middle of the day a couple of hours just in silence. So she's sitting under a tree, and that's very was very hard for her to do. And some monk passed by, and she said, "How do you do this? I mean, my mind's going constantly, and 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 I feel like I'm doing nothing right now." And the and the wise monk said, "Oh no, Sue, you're not doing nothing. You're letting your soul grow up. Ooh. So when you're waiting, waiting allows your soul to grow." Um, rather than having it all ramped and always having to work, your soul, which is the, the central part of us, has a chance to breathe and to grow when we give it space, when we water it. Um, most times we're not watering it, we're just running it again, like you know, running a car with a low oil level. Um, and I think, bro, that I, I think, um, again, I'm just so enamored by the conversation, I think we were made for space. And if we don't take it, it will be given to us because God loves us so much. Now, we may not like the way it's given to us, and that sounds like a threat, doesn't it? But whether we collapse and get sick, whether we begin to have anxiety, somehow it's a, a loving way to say space is important because if you don't have it, either you'll be soul sick or you'll be physically sick. Right. I think of uh, Psalm 23, and uh, I heard a sermon literally at camp when I was a young kid and really didn't have a lot to do with God, sure. but uh, talked about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Oh, makes me, yeah. Makes me lie down in green pastures. And I'm not sure if that's what the Hebrew actually says, yeah. but uh, he actually made a point that, you know, if, if you don't lie down, you know, it may be that God, you know, in grace, in yeah. care for you, helps you down. Yes. And there's a part in that Psalm, too, that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And a lot of times we think about that psalm as a psalm of lament, like, you know, I'm sad or we've lost somebody, but I'm going to say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So as I have studied the psalms, uh, I've come to learn that that is not a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of trust. In other words, there are different categories of psalms. Right. Some are psalms of lament, like Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, how long must I wait? And then there's psalms of praise or psalms of um, ascent, um, 
where uh, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my hope come from? That's a psalm of ascent as the people were right. walking to Jerusalem. Psalm, uh, psalm 23 is a psalm of trust. It's not a psalm of lament. We think about it as like that was read at my grandma's funeral or I want that read at mine. Right. It's a psalm of trust. So if you put that in the category of space, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes it takes trust if you have a busy day or um, you're, you're not sure what the day's going to hold to just give yourself space. Yes. Because so that psalm is a psalm of trust. I will trust that if I give space, if I allow myself to lay down in green pastures, that the Lord will use that and somehow give me what I need for today. I know the, the great theologian Martin Luther um, once said, I've got a busy day, so i got to get up two hours earlier Yeah, to, to create space for that busy day. Right. And again, that's not me. Don't think that out there that that's me and that's what I do, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, if I don't take that space, that busy day can get away from me and I will say something to somebody uh, that will give them the opportunity to give me the benefit of the doubt because what I said was not yeah. very nice. Right. Well, it's, uh, it's rushing and it's speed and it's noise and distraction, which always brings out the... Uh, the maximum amount of impatience in our life. Um, yeah, so I, I have a question for you. In the midst of um, we talking about we're kind of, we may be opposite in some ways and you've got some boundaries and structures and I'm a little bit more s spontaneous. Um, give me one more um, guardrail or one more fence uh, to create some safe boundaries for myself. How do you... How have you coached somebody who's um, not taking space uh, or uh, is just an anxious person or is uh, sp really spontaneous? And as you look at their life, you're thinking, oh, there's some things that are out of control here. Um, but you know you can't just say, take space. Right. Uh, so what, what's, what's a nugget? What's, what's, what's a baby step for somebody that needs space? Yeah, the, the a baby step, Tommy. Yeah, well, a baby step, and I think it's a baby step, and it's also a leap at the same time. Okay, is to uh, to decide and create focus on what's most important. Okay, one thing, not all of the things that are most important, but one thing that's most important. Um. Because it's it's the quantity of things coming at us that overwhelms and overloads and stresses us out. And that's true for me, but it's also true for the person who is wired to be very spontaneous because that spontaneity creates a lot of uh, things that are uh, perhaps feel like they're being left undone. And so I think if there's a focus and priority on one thing that I need to do today. Well, but if I have three meetings today, which I do, and an evening dinner, and then um, uh, maybe a, a relative or a child that I'm worried about, that's like six things, and they're all important. I got to go to all those meetings. Right. So when you say focus on one thing, what does that mean? Like just 
concentrate on one of the meetings you have, but not on all three. <laughs> no, no, not not from that angle. Uh, we're going to have a, a slew of activities that come in our day, and there might be six things that that we're going to do in a particular day. But in the midst of that, there's one thing that could be helpful for me to get done that day. One thing that's going to move the day forward. Uh, one thought that I need to give attention to. So, for instance, on some of those days uh, that I maybe have six meetings, my one thing for that day may be I just want to be present huh. that day. Yeah, it makes sense to me because like right now I'm having some car trouble. And for a couple of days it was I was trying to find space to get the car to the mechanic instead of just borrow someone's car or just share one car with my wife. Now, I may have four meetings in a day, but if I could say my focus will get that car done because it'll make me freed up for those other things a little bit more. It's not preoccupying my mind. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Get the thing done that feels like it's the most focused for you. It's, so it frees you up to be freer in the other things. Exactly. It's something that's risen to the surface that if if I make sure that one thing gets done uh, or is a focus, then I keep the ball rolling forward. That's good. And it might be in the midst of a lot of things. And so I figure if I if I do one thing each day, that's 356 one things that that's are done yeah. every single day. And that's going to keep me f- moving forward. And sometimes, very often, it's that thought that helps me overcome procrastination because it's the thing that I'm procrastinating on, the getting the car fixed, that is uh, nagging me, you know, because I just keep on putting it off and putting it off. And it's it's kind of eating at me. And right. by simply going, you know, I got a lot of things going on, but today I'm going to make sure that I get that car in. Yeah, And so it can be something that small, or it might be some major thing that that you need to give attention to. So wherever that one thing goes, I think it helps people who are uh, highly organized and driven, and it helps people who uh, perhaps are more wired for spontaneity because uh, it, it, it keeps a certain laser uh, focus to... It it to the feels, it feels um, maybe a little unrelated, but I remember uh, three years ago being feeling frustrated that I didn't feel like I was getting my to-do list done very well every day. And I went to somebody who was very good administratively in our offices. Um, this woman used to work for Capital One and was highly organized and helped us with some financial matters for a while. Uh, I said, give me your best piece. I just need one. Just give me your best piece of uh, administrative advice. She said, touch it once. And what that meant for me is, for instance, yesterday, a colleague said, could you send me an email or that um, link to that article you read? I think that would be helpful for me. So that was in my mind, leaving the meeting. So I thought, okay, I'll get that done. That seems like a little thing. I'll get that done. But now I'm under the discipline to do it right away. I'll go back to my office and do that right away. Otherwise, I'll think, I got to get that done. I got to get that done. I got. I told my colleague I would get that to him. So I might have a major meeting and feel like I don't have time to do it, but it only took me 30 seconds. 
Right. But to do that one thing made me breathe a little easier. Um, and I wonder on the opposite side for the person that's highly organized and, and maybe at times maybe misses because of the organization, maybe that person right in front of you because there's the next thing to do. That maybe in that same way it works for that person in terms of where we started talking about loving other people. Like, um, what is one person I'll focus on today? Yeah. One, one uh, you know, I'll probably run into three or four people or have three or four phone calls during my course of the day. Um, I'm going to choose at least one to say something kind to, even if I don't get something in return. Yeah. I, very, and that may be, that's yeah. natural to you. I know that is natural for you, Tommy, but I don't know. Maybe that's sometimes that's a good way to do maybe more than one. Cause like, oh, that one, well, I think I'll do that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though I'm in a hurry to get to the next place yeah. or to keep, keep my schedule. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the fun things about this conversation is the, uh, the different angles that we right. come and try to arrive at Yes. The same place. And yes. I know both you and me both believe that people are a priority. Yes. And loving people and caring for people are a priority. And whether we do that out of spontaneity or whether we do that out of uh, organization and discipline, all of it's for the, for the purpose of caring and loving people. And that core ingredient that creates the soil in which that can happen is creating some space. Yeah. And so I think uh, what's neat is there's not just one way of caring and loving for people. And right. so I'm so appreciative of kind of, I'm so appreciative of the way you do that. And so many people have been the beneficiary of that. So thanks Thank for thanks for being on the podcast sure. and um, look forward to, and we're going to have to have a conversation like this again. Well, that'd be great, Tommy. And thank you for all you've done to help people create space and uh, through your book of giving people room to breathe. Um, my mom, who passed about three years ago, um, I would say we had a good relationship. Maybe I longed for it a little bit more, but we had a good relationship. And there are little things that she said um, throughout my life that have stuck with me. And one of them was this, which is interesting. And it was during a time when I was feeling some anxiety. She said, breathe in and out the spirit of God. And I don't know if that makes sense theologically. We're breathing out the spirit, but then we got to breathe it back in. I think she just meant to breathe. Breathe in and out the spirit of the Lord. I said that to a colleague yesterday who I ran into earlier in the day and she mentioned there's just a lot of things in the air, but she said it with what looked to be angst on her face. And I shared with her what my mom shared. She said, hey, just breathe in and out the spirit of the Lord. And it seemed to calm her soul a bit. So I'm trying to live in that way too. Mm, so thanks. thank you for encouraging people to breathe. Thanks. Thanks for joining us and look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you, bro. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you found it helpful and encouraging in your journey. Before you leave, I wanted to let you know of two things. First, if you are looking for more helpful content like this, visit TommyThompson.org. There you will find resources 
created to help you find space in your life. Second, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would take a minute to leave a review. This helps other people find the show as well. 